Please pray with me. Father, I ask that in these few moments, you would draw us close to yourself. Remind us of the things that matter and hide us in the depths of your life. Amen. Well, it's sunny today. And it gives me a great deal of sympathy for Moses. The passage we read from Deuteronomy is a part of a long series of speeches that Moses gave the people before the end of his life. And all of them were delivered outdoors. Y'all all know how difficult it is to pay attention when the sun is in your eyes and it is warm. I will try to be brief. One of the strangest refrains we actually hear throughout the 40-year wandering of the Israelites in the wilderness is the people saying, I wish we could go back to Egypt. They say this multiple times. They say it early in the journey and they say it late in the journey. They say, I want to go back to Egypt. You can imagine Moses looking at them guys saying, are you crazy? You were slaves there. But their point is pretty simple. When we were in Egypt, our plates were full and all we can see around us is manna, manna, and more manna. They're tired of the food and they say over and over again, do you remember how we had pots full of meat and fish and leeks and garlic and onions? There's this point in numbers when they actually appoint leaders and they say, why don't you take us back to Egypt? It's strange. It's ridiculous that they, could, they would long for Egypt. Yet I think that all of us understand the sentiment. After all, who among us has not longed for an earlier period in life? Who has not longed to go back to a time that was simpler, that was better? One of the best decisions that I made as a young adult was to go in between high school and college to a Bible school in Germany. And it was one of the sweetest years of my growing up. It was a year full of studying the Bible, of deep spiritual friendships, of perceptible growth in the faith, of an awareness of God's presence. But one of the things that I struggled with in the year afterwards was the longing to be back in the past. It was so much easier at Bible school in Germany. It was so much easier to keep a devotional life. It was so much easier to have good friendships. That longing for an earlier period in life is something that Courtney and I have felt every single time we moved, and I doubt we're alone. You go to a new place, and for the first year, you say, but home is back there. That's where my friends are. Life made sense there. It's not just geography. Most of us have actually struggled with this just in terms of the seasons of life. We say, couldn't we go back to the period of time when our kids were young? Life was easy then. Couldn't we go back to the time when our lives were young, when there wasn't all this responsibility on our shoulders? Maybe I could just, I wish that I were back in my old job because I liked that job. I actually knew that I was good at it. My boss liked me in that job. Maybe we could just go back. I wish I could go back to the time before those friends moved, when our whole group was together, when we were close to one another. Maybe we feel this way about our nation. 
Would it just be easier if we went back to a time when things were right and there wasn't all this mess in the world? Could we at least go back to pre-COVID? Could we at least get this out of the way? In ways that cut deeper, perhaps some of y'all have felt the feeling of, couldn't I go back to a time when my marriage was simpler? Couldn't I go back to a time before that child went astray? My point in bringing these scenarios up, ones that I imagine are familiar to lots of y'all, is that the perspective of the Israelites isn't that strange. We've all felt this longing to be back at a time when things made sense, when they were easier, when life had more joy and less difficulty. It's that struggle, that question, that lies behind both Deuteronomy 4 and John 14. That struggle is behind both of these passages. In Deuteronomy, Egypt is long since in the rearview mirror. The people have now at this point been through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They've been through 40 years of testing, 40 years of failure, 40 years of rebellion. But they've also been through 40 years of seeing God's provision in a tangible way. Manna coming from heaven, water flowing from rocks. They've been through 40 years of seeing the presence of God visibly, a cloud of fire and smoke hovering over the tabernacle. Now, at this point in Deuteronomy, they're on the edge of the promised land. The future in front of them is uncertain. It's difficult. It's unknown. In other words, nothing at this point is predictable or safe or easy anymore. In, in John 14, the disciples are also on the cusp of a great change. They've spent three years with Jesus in growth, three years following him, close to him, eating with him, talking with him. And yet in John 14 through 16, this discourse Jesus gives at the Last Supper, he says repeatedly, I'm going away. I'm going away. We hear in John 16, 6, that the disciples are deeply sorrowful. Thomas looks at him and says, how are we going to know the way to get to where you're going? Jesus' answer doesn't help much on the surface because he merely says, I am the way. Throughout this discourse, he says to them, I'm going away. And the disciples are struggling with the fact that they can't follow Jesus. Change is coming. In other words, they, like the Israelites, are on the cusp of this new time. And it would be very easy to look back to the past and say, can't we just stay in this moment a bit longer? Jesus, why do you have to go? Why do we have to enter this dark, this uncertain future? They want to remain where they are, and they don't want to move on. I've been thinking about this in regards to the church. It's actually kind of comical to think about the history of this little church. Two years ago, it's all like intimacy and sweetness, potlucks after almost every service, this sort of time that was so easy and simple. Then the second year of the church's life is just a mess. It's COVID. It's COVID tide, a new season in the church calendar. What do we do in this season? The future is unknown. We're about to make significant changes and we don't know what it will be. It's pretty easy in those moments to say, couldn't we just go back to that first year when everything was simple, when everything made sense, 
when everything is easy? For some of y'all, this may hit you personally at this particular season because you may be looking at uncertainty in front of you right now and a swirling darkness of anxiety and fear. And you may be simply saying, wouldn't it be easier if we could just go back to where we were before? Why do we have to step forward into this new season? It's easy in those moments of transition. It's easy in those moments of change into the future to simply long for the past, to try to recover it. It's easy in those moments to live in discouragement about the present. I know that I'm not the only one who's looked at the present day and said, this is just discouraging. Can't I retreat to what it was before when life was simple? It's also easy in those moments to live and worry about the future. I think those are sort of the three primal responses. The longing to retreat to the past, the discouragement in the present, and the anxiety about the future. These are sort of three basic responses. But Deuteronomy 4 and John 14 give us three very different sorts of responses. And I don't just offer them to you this day. Offer them to you is a way of processing times that are difficult where we would long to be back at an easier time. In Deuteronomy 4, we actually see Moses reciting to the people their own past. He says to them, Ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or is ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God, and there is no other besides him. In other words, Moses recites their history, but it's not for the sake of nostalgia. It's not for the sake of saying, that was the time we should go back to. It's not for the sake of saying, we should just sit around and long and wish that that could happen again. He recites their history very purposely. He recites their history so that they would see that God was faithful in the past. In other words, rather than sitting and longing for the past, he says to them, look back at your past and see where God was faithful to you. In other words, if you're at one of those moments where you say, wouldn't it be nice if I could just go back to that simpler time? Moses' message is not forget that time. His message is know your right to remember it, but not so that you could long to be back there, but so that you could remember that God was faithful to you there. In other words, if there is darkness or uncertainty in this season or in the season that's ahead, Moses says, remember your past, but remember it so that you know that God is faithful to you. The second part of Moses' message, and this is what we see in verse 40, is he says to them, therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you 
and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving for you for all time. His second message to them is simply keep obeying. This is what Jesus says to the disciples in John 14. He says to them multiple times, very simply, keep my commandments. If you say, Lord, how do we deal with an uncertain time? How do we deal with a time that's full of darkness and anxiety and worry? His message is not figure everything out. His message is not be as wise as Solomon. His message is not know the future. His message to them is very simply, just keep obeying me. Just keep obeying me. Just keep obeying me. We know through the rest of the scriptures that our obedience is laced with failure. We know that the path of being a Christian is a path of daily repentance, of confession of sin. We know that we cannot obey unless our obedience is banked on the grace that flows from the cross. This isn't earn your salvation kind of obedience. This is just very simply, in a time where you don't know what's ahead, the safest course is to step in the footsteps of Jesus. Just keep following where he leads. The third message, though, that comes out of these passages is perhaps the sweetest. Because Jesus says to his disciples over and over in John 14 through 16, I'm leaving. You won't see me for a while. You can't go where I'm going. I'm leaving. But over and over, he also says to them, yet I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. I will not be far from you. In fact, in the passage we read today, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Jesus' promise in the midst of uncertain times has been very simply, I will be with you. I will not abandon you. I will not be distant from you. But through the Spirit, I will be closer to you than you are to yourself. These three perspectives are perspectives that have been important to me as I've grappled with the future of this little church. We can't see the future. We don't know what's ahead. There are times when it looks like swirling darkness and confusion, and you say, Lord, what will, we do? What will you do? And we say, we don't know. But the message from these two passages is simple. Remember his faithfulness in the past. Let it buttress your faith. Let it strengthen you. Obey in the present and bank on the fact that he promises to be with you. He says through the spirit, I will be close to you. I will be with you. These are the things that I've been mulling over in regards to this church. But if you and your family are going through a time where you say everything is swirling and dark, everything is difficult, everything is hard to understand, cling to these three perspectives. Rather than longing for the past, wanting to go back to it, simply remember that God has been faithful to you in the past. Let that strengthen your faith. Rather than worrying about the present and saying, I'm struggling and I don't know what to do, just simply follow Jesus in his footsteps. Obey his commands. Falteringly, yes. With confession, yes. With repentance, yes. But just keep walking after him. And rather than worrying about the future, saying, I don't know what he will do, just simply say, yet he has promised to be with me. 
he promised to give his spirit to me, and he does not abandon those he chooses as his own. Amen.